Please keep your sexy thoughts about me and our guests to yourselves and enjoy. Hello, lovely humans. I'm Wyo and you are listening to Sex Stories, a podcast dedicated to learning about sex through listening to personal stories of lovers from around the world in an effort to encourage more pleasure for all and to make the world a more loving place. Our guest today is a 30-year-old cis-female queer queen art XX exhibitionist double Scorpio witch and co-host of the Basic Witches podcast. She's an actor, writer, comedian, sensual artist, a sexual assault survivor with a mission to burn down the patriarchy, no big deal. And you can explore all of her amazing work on sexandthesynchronicity, all one word, dot com. Welcome, Rachel LaForest. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Wyo. I am so excited for th- this has been a long time coming. You'll hear everything. So, Rachel, can you start out by telling our listeners, on a scale of one to ten, if this is your sexual shame meter scale, with ten being the most full of shame and one being the least full of shame, where do you fall right now today in this moment? Oh, and I love this question that you do, Wyo. I am so proud to say I'm at a one. <laughs> I'm wiggling you. Okay. Uh, Can you just say like a sentence or two? Why? Oh my gosh. Because I spent so much of my life hating myself due to the holy trinity of hate, Mm -hmm. capitalism, patriarchy, and religion, and full of so much shame that I reached a breaking point and have been unlearning the shame and saying fuck shame ever since. And literally my sexual journey has been fucking the shame out of my body. Mm. It's so like visceral to me. Beautiful. And yeah, I'm down to a one. But I will say progress is not a straight line. And occasionally we bump up to like a three, four. Yeah. And then and then we have to be like, why? What usually bumps you? New experiences. At first, I find that like after a new experience, that old, old shame tries to come back up as saying I'm bad or wrong or not good enough. And then location, proximity to where I grew up, proximity to family, proximity to like anything that's old roots is where I find those last little bits are. Oh, man, I feel that every time I go back to my conservative hometown and I'm like, oh, shoot, my midriff is showing (gasps) Uh, my nipples are out. Like I revert to this high school part of myself. Totally. I want to ask you a question because I want to make sure that all of us in the conversation are on the same page because you used these words that might feel like hot button issues for some people. What did we say? Capitalism, patriarchy and religion. (laughs) Okay, so. Can you just give us like your definitions of these things? Because those are like big triggering words. I actually was at the airport last week and made a joke to a lady who was wearing four hats. I identified her as like an extension of myself. I was like, we are the same. And then we had this funny little moment. Somehow I made a joke about like, haha, till I take down the patriarchy. Like we were talking about like, like vaguely sexy things with a stranger. Like I got to it very fast. And she was like, no, I don't know. Actually, I'm not on the same page. I like it. It works in my favor. Then we talked a little bit more and realized that we were on the same page. Page, we were just using slightly different language because we had different shorthands. So long way of asking, what are your shorthands? What do you mean by these things? Just give us like a one minute primer in the in the Rachel LaForest uh, world so that we can all know we're having the same conversation because I want to make sure everyone feels invited. And those are like, ah, people get so the amygdalas get triggered. You're so beautiful in that part of your divine feminine. Why? Oh, I love that about you with your interviewing skills. Like you really think about the future listener. 
I think of the idea of the Trinity has been around for a long time. Three is the magic number. There's all these things in three. I think of this holy trinity of hate is what I call it. It's these three forces working together to teach self-hate for the benefit of those at the top in power. So I think Father, Son, Holy Ghost, Father, Daddy, Patriarchy, those that promote the ideal of toxic masculinity as the only ideal and of oppressing anything other than that. Mm -hmm. Son, rich boy, capitalist, son of patriarchy, capitalism is born, capitalism is a system that teaches you to hate yourself and you can fix hating yourself by buying something that you don't already have. Be thinner, be prettier, have a firmer stomach. You will be happy when you have blank, okay? And then the Holy Ghost is religion, which that's probably the biggest, broadest word in there. And what I mean by religion is a hierarchical, patriarchal religion. So those that use fear to drive people to doing what they want, usually tithing or giving money or giving time. I find that these three forces really work hand in hand, and that's why they're so strong. The triangle is the strongest shape. And so my whole mission is dismantling these through self-love. You can say fuck you to the Holy Trinity by loving yourself. (laughs) Yes, I love this definition because it so aligns with my mission, my mission 69, my mission to make a world where we're all taking care of each other so that we ourselves can be taken care of because Mm -hmm. I do feel like we have all of this connection. Okay, so I love it. So when you break it down that way, it really sounds like you two are fighting to make the world a sexier, more loving place is what I hear. Absolutely. That's infused in everything I do. I'm a double Scorpio. (laughs) The sexiness. For those of us who are not super astrological Scorpio, the phrase for Scorpio is warrior am I and from the battle I emerge triumphant. So like in personality style astrology, they're like, oh, Scorpio's bitchy, Scorpio's jealous. But truly Scorpio is a warrior of love who can handle the deepest, darkest shit to transform in the ultimate name of healing. Like if you want to get into esoteric astrology or, you know, sex, death, money. Exactly. Because Scorpio is all sacral chakra, which is the color circle you have behind you today, Wyo. Which I didn't even learn until our most recent shoot. And I was like, wait, orange is the sacral? It's the sex one? Oh, Oh, so it's all just coming through. Okay. Can you please tell us what is your sex life like right now? Little snapshot overview. It is not boring. (laughs) (laughs) How frequent is it? Oh, well, it's almost daily as far as solo sex, but partnered sex is about, I'm rocking an average like once a week right now. Great. So I was thrust back into the dating world, the single life on your birthday this year. April 30th. Uh Uh-huh. You're welcome. Talk about. Happy gift to (laughs) you. Thank you. Thank you. I've heard it described in a song recently as uninvited liberation Mm. because it wasn't really my choice. My partner chose to end the relationship, which was actually the healthiest relationship of my life. And we could definitely get into it because it was a open relationship. Mm. But I know that in some way, this chapter, I needed to be liberated. And it's so death and rebirth that on your birthday, my good friend, (laughs) I have a relationship die. Wow. And so I'm in the dating world. My current roster, I usually, when I'm single, I like to build up a roster of dick on demand. That's like (laughs) my favorite way to do it. DOD, okay. DOD. So I have two DODs and 
tonight I'm taking out a new lady. <gasps> okay. So we'll see how that goes. Oh my God. I have so many questions I want to ask already, but I want to stay focused. Okay. We'll go back to it. We will. We will. We'll get into it. We'll make our, our full circle. Mm-hmm. Can you first please tell us before we get into the details of these stories, what does the word sexy mean to you? How do you define it? How do you understand it? Oh, it even just you saying it, I feel it in my body. It comes from deep in that sacral chakra, which is where my energy so largely resides. So it's something I've been feeling for like my whole life, whether I had the name for it or not, but I feel sexy. It's a feeling. It Can you describe it, the like, texture of the feeling? It's so deep, dark, warm, wet, comforting, empowering. And it builds from that, like I can feel it right now. It's down in that deep part of my pelvis, kind of radiating. Like the bowl? The bowl. Yes. Yes. It's like swirling around in there. And it's also like massaging the front of my uterus where like the G spot is. Does it get near your hips or does it stay lower? Like, is it like around the inside there? So it's like, that bowl that dips a little lower than yeah. the hips, okay. but then it's like the energy is inside my uterus, massaging the front. I've never described this before. This is awesome. From the inside, massaging the front where like the G spot is kind of between the opening of the vagina and like halfway from there to the belly button is how I would describe okay. it. That's a great, great, great explanation of how sexy feels to you. Okay. And then what What about like if you were to apply it to a person, like if you were like, oh, that person's sexy, what makes oh. someone or something sexy? It's really the way that they treat me. It really mm. is. Because if you look at the type of people I've been with, you run the gamut. Mm. You would say some are stereotypically Western society hot. You know mm. what I mean? Like, oh, you look like a poster I used to have when I was little of like a movie star. Yeah. (laughs) To some are well into their fifties bald and don't have big dicks. Yeah. But it's the way they make me feel. Oh my God. I I get it. I get it. Okay. I love that answer. It's so funny too, because so this question originated because I have been paying attention a lot to sex and the way it's used in advertising and the way it's sold to us and the way products are sold to us sex specifically. And that's what's inspiring my next podcast, Sex at Work, which I'm super excited about. So I've been paying attention to these things. And I don't know, like, obviously no one, when I say what's sexy to you, not one person so far has been like, oh, you know, like contoured lighting and like really curly <laughs> hair and like lots of cleavage in a tight dress and like bounce bounce chick like lounge music with high stilettos going across the floor and like a curve of an ass as she leans over the piano like nobody has said that they say like confidence and so maybe that like is an example of it but i anyway that's this will probably get cut but but this is where my noodle on it comes from because i'm just like how do i ask the question how do we get conscious of that? This is like what I'm trying to figure out. I'm obsessed with the whys. Don't cut it out. I think you're so on to something. It's something I think about too. I remember I went to a sensual retreat, which we can totally get into. Oh my gosh. Okay. We need all, to- All, yes. All femmes, really safe space and really healing. And I learned about how in almost all media, we portray premature penetration. Movie scenes go from kissing to fucking intercourse, mm-hmm. penis into vagina, mm-hmm. like in in seconds flat. really we need we need like 20 to 30 minutes at least of foreplay like ideally obviously that's different for everyone but on the broad like 
when you look at our culture and our media, premature penetration is like everywhere and like using that to sell fun. as like sexy. there's so much yeah. fun that you get skipped. And then we do this horrible thing where we then turn around and like shame men for coming in a few minutes. It's like, well, what the fuck did you think was going to happen when they start fucking you right away? Like, obviously, it's not balanced. And like, don't be mean to them. Anyway, this idea that like our orgasms need to line up exactly, it's all silly. Okay, so. Oh, yeah. yeah okay, yeah, but agreed. we, but I don't want to be preaching from a soapbox. I want to be learning from each other's experiences and couching it all in our personal things. So what happens to your sexual shame meter when it's time to talk to your partner about safer sex? And how would the ideal version of a safer sex conversation go for you? Amazing question. So trigger warning, which I'm sure you'll have on this episode anyways, I have been sexually assaulted by two partners that I knew very well, as well as by a complete stranger who was a sexual predator on the loose in Los Angeles. So the reason I bring that up is because those experiences directly led me to being confident about talking about safe sex and consent. Prior to that, I really wasn't empowered with no. I had abstinence-only education, so I have learned to really, like now the shameometer when I talk about my safety and sex is zero because I had to literally save my life in a sexual assault and get myself out of that situation. And like, I have faced the lion. I have faced a near-death experience. So it's no thing for me to talk about safe sex now. Can you do an example for us so we can learn from you? Yes. Oh, okay. Well, I have to, I actually have to now because I have triggers. I have PTSD. It's something that I am in regular therapy on and something I work on, you know, throughout my whole life now, but I straight up tell people my triggers. I say, Hey, so this is what happened. Now, hold on. We do have to sidebar because this part related to the assault has had an up and down journey of some partners. It's easy to tell them and give them the update and the triggers. Some partners, it's extremely emotional. I'm honestly, yeah. I'm in process. So yeah. I I don't fully know what, you know, it's not oh. a controlled experiment. I'm so glad you said that. There's nuance. People are There's people. so much nuance. I do think a pattern I'm noticing is that when it feels like a partner who I care about and really cares about me, I have more emotion telling them. When it's someone that I'm kind of aiming for like just a quickie yeah. or a fling, then I don't have as much emotion telling them. So anyways, I literally do a call or a sit down and I say, this is what happened. It's something I I have triggers about. So my triggers are these specific noises. Like for me, one is the fap sound. I had to get comfortable with saying that word. It's like when a guy masturbates and it's skin hitting skin. Oh, okay. You know, when they're like jerking off. So that is a trigger sound for me. Sometimes like I'll get PTSD in the middle of the night because like a fan will sound like a fap sound or something. When you have triggers, you figure it out and you Mm -hmm. learn as you go. Another one is I can't be surprised anymore. No more surprise birthday parties. (laughs) No jump scares because my attack was a jump scare. So I'm just really straight up about it. But I will say, before the crazier sexual assault, I call it crazier because it was less common. Usually sexual assault is is committed by someone you know, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. So I consider the one that was a stranger predator more crazy because it's just more rare. Mm -hmm. But even before that one, I was starting to, to have conversations about this early on with new partners because I had already experienced, I will call it unconsensual 
borderline sexual assault with partners in the past. So I was already practicing this for the past like three years. And it's something you get better at. Wow. Okay. I know. It's so much. It really makes condoms feel doable. (laughs) Yes. Oh my God. Not even (laughs) so easy to ask for that for me. Yeah. Great. So now we'd like to hear the arc of your sexual story. Let's start at the very beginning. When do you first remember hearing about sex? What do you remember thinking and feeling about it? Oh my God. The first I heard or saw about it was the movie Titanic. She was naked. (laughs) She was full frontal, gorgeous, the drawing, the car, and that became my spank bank. And I was about six or seven, literally go to for years, Wow. years, because I didn't have any, honestly, I didn't have other examples. Yeah. I really had this one movie and this one scene and I would replay it in my mind as like a seven-year-old in the bathtub using the bath hose because I had already figured out that felt good. <laughs> I somehow figured that out. So I was coming and I, and you know how it would get steamy? Like I would do the hand. Yeah. I would do the steamy Aww. hand on the, on the glass shower wall. That's so cute. Do you remember your emotional orientation to it? Like, were you like, this is sexy? Or was it like, this feels good and I'm a kid? Like, what was it like? You know, it was mostly primal feeling good. Like, there wasn't a lot of thought. I just so quickly figured out this feels so good and I would do it like all the time. Cool. I also figured out how to touch myself. So not just the bath hose. And I would like be at sleepovers or things and everyone would fall asleep and I would just touch myself in my little sleeping bag. Like... So I just figured out, oh my gosh, it feels so good. And I think it was almost like a drug. Like, totally. I just wanted more and more. <laughs> yeah. I think with the Titanic one, like the thoughts or emotions may have been a little bit of that, like when you're a kid and you're finding boundaries and learning what you can get away with, a little bit of that, like mischievous yeah. side yeah. of like, I have access to watching this because let's paint a picture of the house I grew up in. Jesus was painted, hand-painted, life-size on the wall. Scripture was hand-painted around the corner of every room. Extremely Catholic. Oh, was it at large town, small town? What was the kind of geographic vibe? Small town outside of Cleveland, Ohio. And because of the extreme Catholicism, no birth control. So my parents very quickly had eight children. Whoa because they were so devout Catholic. I'm the youngest. When I was conceived, my mom was apparently trying to take oral contraceptive pills, birth control, but she didn't have any education on it at all, so she didn't do it right. I was conceived, and then my dad got a vasectomy because they literally couldn't afford to have any more children. Yeah. (laughs) Needless to say, there was no PG-13 movies in the house. There was, this is why I'm telling you, like, that one movie that I got to go see with my aunt and my cousin, like, was my one peek into sexuality. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. An abstinence-only town. Okay, so that's my next question. So I'm guessing they didn't give you a talk? Not at all. Oh, my gosh. No talk. So much shame. I remember even in church learning that masturbation is a sin, mm-hmm. which isn't that insane that, like, a preacher gets up there and says that, like, says those words? Why does it feel so good? Why? That doesn't make sense. That's what I thought sitting there. I was like, this doesn't make sense. And sometimes I would get really mad and tell my parents I was gay to just get, even though I didn't think I was, come to find out I was totally already queer. I was like (laughs) hooking up with girls. Yeah, (laughs) this whole time. But I would just tell them as a way of spiting them, like, Mm -hmm. you love me, but you go to a church that says this is wrong and I'm going to hell. And like, you're a hypocrite, you know? Wow. 
abstinence only. The football coach was the health teacher. Okay. A cis white male bro dude. All we got was pictures of STDs. We didn't know about condoms. We were told the only way to be safe is abstinence. And I think we somewhat learned about, like, if you lose your virginity, the only hope is becoming a born-again virgin. And it's, like, so bad if you lose your virginity. Yeah, really Oh, my gosh. So how did you learn anything? And did you learn from older siblings or friends? Or, yeah, what did you do? What What happened? I know. Oh, my gosh. How did I get out? How, yeah, like, and like, how are you this sexy with yourself today? I mean, just from what I know, I'm giving a sneak peek, but like, you know, wow. Okay, you just, yeah, how, what did, how did you learn? This is wild. Literally, I got away from that physical proximity. I moved out at the age of 15 and oh. I went to New York City. I was like, I have to get out. I went and lived with my brother who was going to law school at the time in New York. And my parents let me, they, I did like get their permission. I explained that like, my dreams are bigger than this small town. I, I'm a performer and an actor, and I, had, I felt like I had reached my peak of the available resources for acting. I had done community theater. I had done yeah. a little cable teen news show like in the local area. And I was like, I want more. And I, I somehow knew I wanted diversity too because like, so like my, some of my close friends growing up were like the one Asian girl in school and the mm. one black kid in school. And both of them moved away. And like, it was all white people. The one person who, who was like, maybe the gay kid at school got so much shit. Like people talk, you know, it was just like, I felt the restriction. Ooh. I felt the suppression. I felt not fun and not safe and not like, I just knew there was more. I was like, yeah. this is not it. So I went and auditioned and I got into an acting high school. Oh, my gosh. Wait. OK, so how does this line up with your sex stories? Like, have you had any partnered experiences at this point or were you only touching yourself wildly? And like, when did you start to learn that was masturbation and what was the order and how did it happen? And then did you have more sex when you went to New York at 15? <laughs> yes, yes and yes. <laughs> Literally. So the masturbation, I, I realized early on in church, like probably by age 10, they were saying that stuff. And I already knew I was already doing it. Okay. Then abstinence only. So when I had my first partnered sexual experience, there was no condom. I had to get plan B, which I didn't even know about. But oh. thank goodness, my girlfriend who I told about what had just happened knew about it. That was at a house party I threw at the age of either 14 or 15. It was really shortly before I moved to New York that I had okay. my first sexual. Yeah. There was blowjobs before that, and there was people going down on me before that, and there was a lot of dry humping, tons of dry humping <laughs> before sex. How, how did you guys know to do all these things in this abstinence-only town? Like, you were just like, let's try it directly, or like, where, how, how? Honestly, my close friend at the time, she was having these experiences earlier than me, so okay. she was the one who would help me, like, even know what those words were. Okay. I remember also early on, show me show me yours, I'll show you mine. Like, mm -hmm. I had just little experiences of we go, we literally go into the woods, they whip out their dick, I flash my titties. <laughs> like, you know, just those explorations. But even before that, like I said, I was really sort of exploring with girls mm -hmm. from a really young age, like from like kindergarten, I would roll around with my friends who were girls and we would be essentially dry humping. We would just be like rubbing ourselves together through clothing. Yep. And I was coming. I was orgasming. <laughs> yeah. Wow. 
Yeah, not that any of this was like talked about. It was just such innocent exploration. It was just the bodies doing what the bodies wanted to do. Yeah. So I think it was a mixture of friends that had done it and then body intuitive exploration. Okay. So all these little bits of it. And then I get to actually my first time, it's kind of a bummer because my first time was exactly what I wanted. It was a guy I had a crush on. I thought he was so hot and sexy. We had never spoken before, but you know, I had such a high school, like freshman year crush on him. And I threw a house party while my parents were out of town and lured him in and got him. Like it was, <laughs> it was truly everything I wanted. But immediately after, the shame meter was beyond a 10. So bad. So I was 100. So bad that I lied to all my friends except the one who helped me get the plan B, which, by the way, we had to get an older guy to drive us and go get because you couldn't get it at the age we were at. Right. Thank goodness she knew an older guy. Like, ugh. And I lied to my other close friends for like two years and pretended like I didn't lose my virginity that night because there was so much shame. Wow. So moving to New York, getting away from that proximity of where all those ideas were instilled allowed me this freedom and all these new perspectives. Now I had tons of gay friends because I was going to performing arts school. I had friends of every color and like size and just it's New York. Like oh, I got to experience what are Jewish holidays? Like, I didn't know anything about Judaism where I grew up, you know? Yeah. And so my mind really just started to be blown. And all that space gave me the start of lessening the shame and exploring more. It was still like another two years before I had sex again, which then I went so far as to tell the friends I had lied to that that was the first time. Mm. And it wasn't until another like year after that that I went back and corrected the story to all of them because there was still shame. Totally. Yeah. And then it wasn't until I was 18 and I took a trip from New York back to Ohio and went out with a fake ID and picked up a guy at a bar (laughs) and had sex with him that I actually had an orgasm during sex. Okay. So all of those previous, no orgasm. Wow. However, I will say all those experiences were hot and I would masturbate about them later and I would come that way. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. But it wasn't until I was 18 that I had an orgasm during sex. Okay. So, wow. Are there any like standout moments from these formative experiences that include like specific thoughts on blowjobs or going down on anyone or receiving oral or, or any of the details you want to share? Absolutely. The trajectory is so clear. It was way more me giving blowjobs because absolutely the trajectory is so clear. It was way more me giving blowjobs because I was really in the masculine and didn't know how to receive. Mm. I felt shame around receiving. So I had had one guy go down on me. That was a standout and it felt so good. But after that, I really shut that down for years. I didn't receive for years. Was it like a conscious choice or was some part of you just like, nope? I think it was subconscious. There was a lack of practice receiving. It was my life looked like type A, trying to be a perfectionist, a go-getter, all this masculine quantitative like in school and like even though meanwhile I'm getting an art degree, like I'm clearly this queer artist, like underneath it all, but but on the surface doing what I thought I had to do. Yeah. So, okay, huge part of the picture here. 
at age 19, I started dating someone and dated them for eight years that just didn't, he didn't go down on me. And I also didn't ask for it. Did you ever talk about it? Actually, yes. Like he would sometimes, but it's just not like now when I hook up, there's always eating pussy, whether I am or you are, or it's just like, that's going to be every time pretty much now. Whereas then it was like, we dated for eight years and maybe did that 20 times. You know what I mean? Whoa. Okay. Well, so here's a question. Now that there's always going down on you-ness or going down on-ness in your experiences, is that happening because you're choosing partners that are more likely to go down on you? Or is it because like, if it's not going in that direction, you're able to like encourage it there somehow? I think it's more the second one because I think I'm the one who shifted my energy to where I love my pussy because that's a whole nother thing. It's like we heard things growing up like pussies smell, fish, close your legs. Like you look weird. That hair is weird. What's that? You know, camel toes bad. Yes. So ever since reading the book Pussy, I read that I think in like 2016 or 2017, that changed everything. Mm -hmm. Regina Thomasauer really taught me that, oh my gosh, my pussy's gorgeous and powerful. And like, literally the universe exists within my pussy. Like it's all things divine feminine, like, holy shit. This part of me is to be revered. And oh my gosh. And I greet my pussy every day. And like, I look at her. How do you greet her? Good morning, gorgeous. Do you look at her or do you just Oh, in a mirror, yes. Oh, yes. I spread open in a mirror. Which mirror? Is it like a tall mirror? Like, is it a leg up on a counter? Do you have lots of mirrors? Do you you switch it up? Lots, 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 lots. I have a hand, a gorgeous like antique hand mirror that I use often. I'll get on the floor, put my pussy towards the window where the nice light is coming in and then hold the mirror with like my legs out. Or I'll put my left leg usually up on the sink. I have like a pedestal (gasps) sink and look in that mirror. Or occasionally bend over in front of a full body mirror that I have on my closet. Beautiful. I'm inspired by this. I shall try to remember to try it. So empowering. Highly recommend you greet. Like I I have a a card in my deck. Look into your eyes and look between your thighs. (gasps) Like to me, these are the two... The two ways you can see your soul. (laughs) So shifting that energy of realizing my pussy is gorgeous. Also, by the way, you can get insane wisdom by greeting your pussy or your cock or whatever part you have or parts. Yeah. These sexual organs have soul to them, I swear. (gasps) So I will often say like, what do I need to know today? And she'll be like, take it easy or like, have fun or like, fuck off. Like, just do nothing. So you can get messages. Anyways, since shifting my own view of my pussy, I've been able to practice receiving in such a better way. Like my my life specifics of your better. Oh my gosh. I say thank you when people compliment me instead of saying no, no, or laughing it off or immediately giving them a compliment. I actually receive compliments. Mm. I am not ashamed to physically spread my legs open facing a partner. That used to be scary. That used to be scary to sit with someone looking right at me and open my legs because it felt like it needed to be hidden. So this is we can spread open. Oh my gosh. Just the other night I had a partner over one of my dick on demands 
And I made him sit on the couch and I got up because he was like kissing me, kissing me, kissing me. And I was like, I pushed him away. I made him sit on the couch and I went over to the chair across, directly across from him. I had a dress with no panties on and I put my feet up on the coffee table as if they were in stirrups and just scooted my butt down and like spread open and just watched him fall over. (laughs) Power. Like, if you've never flashed your pussy, highly recommend. You can make men fall over. (laughs) Women, too. (laughs) I don't think I've made anyone fall over yet. I will have to try this. I've done it twice. I did it in a park. I did it in a public park with a different guy. I flashed him, and he fell to the ground. We were sitting, but he fell to the ground. Yeah. So, I mean, you know what I mean? Like, receiving that that worship, essentially. Receiving compliments, receiving, being seen, Mm -hmm. because that's like worship, to be seen and to be respected and adored. That's extreme receiving. Yeah. Yeah. So allow yourself to be that seen. Vulnerable. Can you tell us the physical specifics of your receiving? What does your pussy like? Oh my gosh. She likes, like I said, 20 to 30 minutes of warm up. Like Mm. I love getting a massage as foreplay too. So I love a lot of physical touch. She loves words of affirmation. So she actually gets wetter the more vocal that I hear. She loves that. She loves to be worshipped. She loves to be adored. Like, oh, my gosh, you're so gorgeous. Your pussy is amazing. You're, oh, this is the best pussy I've ever tasted. Your pussy's so magical. I want more. Like, she loves it. She is like such a diva. I love her. She wants to be spoiled with touch and compliments. And she likes being licked and sucked. Like my clit really likes suction. Really, really like. She doesn't like fast moving the head around a lot. She likes the head staying still and the tongue just like fat and flat. Yes. Okay. And like firmer strokes or like lighter strokes? firmer strokes but it's it's like sort of soft because there's not like that head movement yeah Yeah. and I also give partners the cheat codes I'm all about it how do you share that with them I give encouragement I give instruction and I give the GPS honestly like the latitude and longitude like if they're down there I'll say a little to the left a little up a little slower I've gotten to the place where I'm just like they want to please me why would I not help them please me yeah I used to really want them to know what to do. I got over that. Okay, this is so inspiring because literally I'm like, do I do it ahead of time in the moment? How do I use what words do I use? You know, and I panic. I go into panic mode. And because my clit is so sensitive, I'm never sure what I'm dealing with on a specific day. And I have so much personal like little traumas around trying to give redirects in the moment and having the experience of failure so strongly that Mm -hmm. I still carry fear around that. And then and now I have like meta shame and guilt because I'm like, well, I keep practicing this with people. I should be better at it, which is like not helpful. Damn. But again, it's not a controlled experiment because each person you're trying it with is different. Exactly. Exactly. And so it's like the data are not helpful. And and I still just like realize that I have a lot of anxiety there. So to hear this, like the ease even just in your talking about it is great. And then you say stuff just like flat tongue, slow tongue, or like what are the what, yeah, what yes. words do you use exactly? And I'll write them down. Or or I'll grab their hand and I'll I'll say like this, and then like I'll show oh, okay. beautiful with feeling, so they can feel and map it out. Or I'll put my hand on their hand sometimes. Yeah. Okay. So I'll really do whatever it takes to help them. Now, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it was just that shift for me of realizing like, oh, like 
I'm going to receive this. They really want to please me. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to assume that, you know, that's going to be my positive assumption here is that like, this person really wants to please me. So I'm going to help them. Fat tongue, flat tongue, slower. I'll say like, I'll say, and honestly, I've had a lot of men especially reflect to me that they so appreciate this. Oh. Like I've had them straight up say, thank you so much for telling me what you want because I don't want to feel like I'm just fumbling around. That's how I they feel. They like it. That's how I've been. Fe- I've been feeling like a fumbler lately because I've taken a new lover since I've seen you last. Oh, yes. Yes. But I feel all this anxiety in my body. And then, okay, so here's a question for you. Going back to what you were saying earlier about loving to receive compliments and the touch have you been with a partner where they're like not at the place where they can do that or want to do that or like and because to me after having that with my master so much and then like going to a person who's just quieter and like there's nothing bad happening there's absolutely nothing bad happening but I find myself like freaking out inside being like am I desirable does he even want to be here like is this fun you know and then I go crazy with anxiety <laughs> does that happen to you Why <laughs> yes my leading question oh my god it's been extremely frustrating because I think like you this open relationship I had with my most recent long-term partner was the like it was a successful open relationship it absolutely was it was so much fun it was Mm. so great the sex was the best sex of both of our lives so yes in my single life I've had some partners that are quieter and it's been really frustrating and uh, and again it's not that they're bad or wrong and I actually told them this I was like look you're not wrong and I'm not wrong, but one of my needs is words of affirmation. It's my love language. I like it in dirty talk and I like it in compliments. And me and this guy went through a real struggle for about a week of like feeling disconnected. We weren't finding a way to meet on it because he felt that for him, he thinks all those things in his head, but he feels really self-conscious and like geeky saying them out loud. Mm. He's not comfortable with it. Yeah, And it's like, yeah, you're not you're not wrong for that. Yeah, that's yeah. okay. But can we reconcile this? Can we can we find something that works? And we did fuck the other night, and it was gonna. And he did try to give me what I needed, honestly. Okay. And I really I commended him for it. And I like I told him afterwards feedback. This specific part, he got into talking about breeding me, and I was like, when you when you started <gasps> talking about breeding me, yeah. you got me. I love that. Yeah, I made sure to tell him, like, thank you for being vulnerable and trying that out. And he was like, yeah, I wanted to try to give you what you need. So See, and I I feel honestly just so I can already feel my anxiety start to lessen because I'm like, oh, it's not just me, but also this is a thing, but also there's hope. and, And, you know, I think there's finding that balance between, like, patience and need and fit and my willingness to sort of be like, it doesn't have to be perfect. I don't need it to be perfect, but I do want to like, I still also do need to feel desired. Maybe it doesn't have to happen in this exact way, but I need to know that you like actually wanted to be fucking me like for real, not just like as a vagina. Same specific here because I have this unwanted root that is a really old wound of thinking I'm unwanted or I'm not good enough. So I really... I really like to hear that. And and sometimes it can be a, a pain point for me if a partner doesn't express it because then I feel unwanted. I'm like, do you even want to be fucking me? Just like you said, same thing. Yeah. And also I shared that with him. I was like, I have an old wound where I feel unwanted. So this is one of my needs. I mean, it's just like, it's take it or leave it. Like, I don't need this dude. Yes. But yes. if we want to have fun, maybe we can have fun if we get the right expectations. Huh. 
I love this frame. Also, did you call it an old root? Because that's a very cute way to frame it for me. Like the idea of just like having a, an old root in me. Like I imagine it like growing into my foot and I'm like, well, I didn't put that there, but I'm attached to it. Okay. Yeah, that's how I picture it too. Okay. So I feel like we have a picture of your formative years. Can you dive into some of your favorite things or whatever shaped you next? And I'd like to eventually work our way to like how you discovered your kinky self. But take us take us where you want to go next. Favorites, early 20s partners, New York. Where? How did you evolve? New York. Well, during that eight-year relationship that I found myself just staying in because it was comfortable and I didn't have a fully formed prefrontal cortex yet because I was so young. Yeah. What I found was that I learned I had a really high sex drive compared to my partner. I was always initiating and I asked us to open it up because I actually I actually realized somewhere in there like, oh, my 20s are halfway over. Mm. Your 20s are kind of supposed to be this exploration and I'm staying in this same thing I really want to explore. That didn't go well. It led to us breaking up, but obviously uh, uninvited liberation for the best. Yeah. And honestly, I get so happy when I talk about this breakup because so that happened in L.A. That that relationship lasted from New York all the way to L.A. Okay. And then everything was so cosmic. I got dumped. My ex went to therapy for the first time ever, walked home and dumped me after eight years. Shocker. <laughs> Best thing that ever happened to me. Okay. I ended up moving out, getting my first own apartment. How old are you I, now? 26? I'm 26. Yeah. And I realized, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. I'm free. I can actually do all the fantasies I was dreaming of. I can just do it. I don't have to ask anyone. And I had a sexual revolution. This was coupled with my musical improv team formed of all females and many queer members. And we just empowered the fuck out of each other. Yeah, we had like bi members, queer members. Some of us were coming out as we got to know each other. Like it was a catalyst to my sexual empowerment because these feminine people like lifted me up, told me how amazing I was and encouraged me to live out these fantasies and like, and were willing to be like my safe people because I was meeting people online and going out and like fucking and getting into kink and oh, just living it out. And I haven't stopped since. It's been a progression since 2016 or 17 of fucking out that shame. Wow. Okay. So, but walk us through kind of the specific evolution, like you're 26, you're in an apartment by yourself for the first time. Like, does it start on dating apps? Does it start with just going out in person? Does it start by fucking people you meet on the street at the grocery store? Like, what, what, <laughs> like where, did your, where, where did your adventures begin? It started with just enjoying the fact that any of those were possible, but I really quickly dove into, <laughs> like, I would be flirting everywhere I went. Yeah. I would be, like, looking fierce everywhere I went, just enjoying how sexy I was <sighs> and how free. And... Apps, absolutely. Like apps really gearing conversations that way. Like now when friends casually mentioned something sexual, I really stopped and asked and really like was more getting into learning about it. So via that, I learned about sex clubs and I really quickly got into sex parties. So I was going and meeting people at parties in person and on apps. I just went, I just went balls to the wall. I had a sexual revolution Starting from that breakup, I got on apps that were kinky and like, you know, where people were really clear about what they were looking for as far as sexual fantasies. Yeah. And like I started 
fucking around with a couple, which was like my first time as an adult getting to play with women again. Yeah. It was a, a male and female cis married couple okay. uh, looking for a unicorn. So I started getting into being a unicorn. I went to these parties by myself. And I've heard you talk about how you've gone to some by yourself too. Just one. Oh, just one. Okay, okay. Yeah, and, and I was like, uh, what am I doing here? I'd also had a really weird evening that led up to it. So by the time I got there, I was like, I'm a cloud. I don't know. Like, it was like a theme. You had to dress like, like a cloud or something. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're always themed. All the ones I go to are So what did too. you do? Because like, I was like a lump and sat in the hot tub and I chatted with people, but there was no one there I found remotely arousing or like the, the one couple I thought was cute that was open did, in my opinion, my judgmental brain at the time thought they did such a bad job at their ask that it wasn't clear to me oh. that it was an ask and it wasn't specific and it w- it was just sort of like a hey do you want to come inside and hang out we're gonna go hang out inside and I like didn't know what it meant and so I was oh, like okay. oh I don't like I don't know what I'm agreeing to here and that's when I started to be like there need to be rules for sex why do people do this you know and that still like lives in my brain so how did you flourish as a solo person at a sex party like did you just flirt with everyone I watched. I went into, I brought my vibrator. I went into it telling myself, you know, I was nervous and excited. And I went into it telling myself, like, I don't have to do anything with anyone. If I want to, I can. If I just want to masturbate and watch, that's fine. I mostly had the objective of just watching and taking it in. Mm. And I did that for a few parties. So I really didn't touch anyone. And honestly, it felt like heaven on earth. I could, I can see my first party like visually in real time in my brain still because I was just like <gasps> wide-eyed walking in, in my lingerie by myself, just like a, I felt like a spy, like a yeah. sexy femme fatale. Like I know I look good. I feel good. I smoked a joint like, yeah. and I just watched these sex performers because these were the type yeah. of parties that had performances. And then I watched real people like, you know, the, the attendees fucking in all kinds of ways. And Amazing. I made some friends that were also single females at okay. these parties. So we would sometimes see each other again. That would feel kind of comforting. I met two women, one of which I saw again at another party. So that was kind of nice. Would you approach them or would you wait to be approached? Like what was your approach to the interactions? I think it's just kind of magnetized to each other because you're the only singles. There's a lot of couples. I see. So I think we kind of bumped into each other and, you know, over by the bar. We like exchanged numbers and everything. So that made me feel really safe. Okay. This club is like one of the elite ones. I'm sure you know what it is. I have only been offered drugs once in my life and it was a, like a month and a half ago and I was on the street. Like, I'm not the person that knows things. I, w- I was also on the phone with my parents. Like, I was like, this is my chance because it was like a cute dude offering me a joint but I literally was like walking a dog on the phone with my parents and I was like, no, thank you. And he was like, it's a joint. And I was like, I, I, and, you know, and like, I was, I was like, it's amazing. anyway, but so is that where you were exposed to kink or like you said people were doing everything or like, what was your, and then did you end up fucking people there? Like to keep, you're giving so many good details. Just keep filling oh, it in for us. Oh, there's so much. Wild. So honestly, I think that I went to the, I'm trying to get the, the timeline in my head, but I, I, I'm pretty sure that I went to sex parties before I had ever really watched porn as an adult. I had seen porn once at a friend's house where, Mm. like, the high school boys were like, look, you know, on the TV channel or whatever. (laughs) Like, look, we have this skin of axe or whatever. (laughs) I honestly, dude, I didn't even know that you could just, like, Google and find porn. Like, I didn't know. 
my my path was that I went to the real life stuff first, not the digital stuff. It's so weird. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> old soul, old soul. I go to orgies before I <laughs> Google porn. <laughs> so I think that that was the first exposure. That's when I first saw masks and like in real life bondage because they would have stations set up, you know, tools and toys. I mean, even seeing these erotic performances with yeah. like the costumes and the toys and the kink. I think my first toy I even got was around that same sexual revolution. I never had a vibrator before that. Okay. So then what I would like to know is, were there any scenes you saw specifically that inspired your sexual self in any particular ways? And also I want to hear like an overview of what you are into kink-wise at this point or what you've explored or want to explore. Absolutely. Okay, so... I forgot to mention that I I saw the show Secret Diary of a Call Girl. I need to watch that. That's on my list. Oh, it's it's probably my favorite show ever. I saw it because I was on a vacation with my aunt in Ireland and the Ireland Netflix selection was different and it had this show and I binge watched the whole thing like before going to bed each night in Ireland and realized oh, that's my ultimate fantasy. Like, I want to be a spoiled, rotten, high, high, high end escort slash like spy almost, femme fatale. Like going to sex parties and stuff and dressing up and being this just persona there and like observing this all fit the bill. Like this was scratching that itch. And I also got into daddy. Like I am into a dominant figure taking care of me and Mm. nurturing. It's like that spank me, not too hard, but not soft, Yeah, you know, like that would surmise my sexual kinks. It's like, I want you to worship me, but also put your full body weight on me and fuck me from behind. Yeah. Does that yeah. make sense? Totally. <laughs> I No, I get and it. I even have gone to the point of like auditioning to work as a stripper. Like I have had a private show for real money, dancing and stripping. Amazing. How did that come about? For my 30th birthday last year, my partner arranged for some of our close friends to come over and be my paying audience for me to get to live out my fantasy of being a stripper. That's amazing. It was the best night of my life. I was just laughing with pure joy and ecstasy as they threw real money on me and as I danced for them in his living room. Yeah. (laughs) Fuck yeah. I made like $350 or maybe more, $380. And I only danced for nine minutes. I did three songs. Amazing. It oh my God. That's so It was the best night hot. of my life. <laughs> uh. So my, my kink is all around. Like I love the exchange of sex and money. Yep. Hello, Scorpio. Hello, sacral chakra. Yep. Yep. Power, sex, money. I mean, I <laughs> love it. It's my ultimate fantasy. Like I honestly would not be like, I would still be down to live that out. And if there was a safe, secure way like Mm. to be the highest paid ever like escort like Mm. that would be my ultimate fantasy I'm good at making people feel good I'm good at receiving now this is my ultimate like yeah I want to be spoiled I want to be fucked and I want to be cared for that's where the daddy nurturing amazing 
So what have you gotten to experience so far beyond that? Like in kink, like, have you had a dom? Have you tell us more about what you explored in the open relationship or, or if there's any stand? I mean, there's just so much to get into. So let's talk about the open relationship. So I got to live out a lot of those fantasies via kinky apps and parties before meeting this partner. So I got to be with women, men, couples. Like I said, I think I've fucked someone from like almost every continent, except I guess I haven't fucked any, like, native, like, people from Antarctica. <laughs> You'd have to find a scientist. <laughs> yeah. But I just got to be with a lot of different types of people. So then come to meeting this partner, I was in a place where I was I was enjoying all of that. Honestly, like, I wasn't looking to lock anything down. Yeah. I was feeling really sovereign, really sexually empowered, living out these fantasies. And then this guy came along on a dating app hinge, which to me is like a good middle ground of like, I'm open to a relationship, but I'm really like just in here for fucking two. Okay. I feel like you can do that on hinge. Pause right there and give us the rundown of the other apps and your like, your labels oh, of them. Because okay. I don't know if I understand this very well. And I get conflicting info from people. So I like to take polls. I think it's called Field now. Yeah. But it used to be called something else. Thrinder. Yes. So that's what I was on. Okay. Thrinder. That hinge and I want to say there was oh oh okay I was on Bumble for like a hot second but most of the good connections came from Thrinder like most of the more getting to live out the fantasy and the sex parties okay like meeting people there because I did exchange numbers with people that I did end up later having like sexual ongoing relationships with nice so yeah IRL and on a couple kinky apps like Thrinder great yeah and then so this guy comes along on Hinge where we'll call him my cancer because I was specifically hoping to meet a cancer sign. Mm-hmm. They're very nurturing. Yes, they They're are. the motherly sign. Yes. So he comes along and we just from the first second, I can see it right now in my mind, the first second I saw him, oh my God, I'm going to cry. <sighs> it was like such a strong connection from day one. So easy. We describe it because we, even though we're broken up, we reflect on like how good our relationship was. We couldn't not keep seeing each other. It was just this attraction I've never had to anyone. And like I said, a lot of that is the way he made me feel. He made me feel so adored and loved and cared for and held and Mm. sexy and like powerful and like, and he came in a pretty package on top of it. He was like over six foot, which was something I was really wanting to explore sexually because I'm five mm, nine and I had yeah, been yeah. with a lot of not as tall men and I just wanted to try that out. I never get to feel tiny. I know, right? Because you're tall too. You're yeah, also five, five nine, eight. right? I'm five eight. Okay, okay. Yeah. He allowed me to get to feel like a little bear in his yeah. arms, a little tiny baby bear. So it just was organically happening. It was just we couldn't help it happening. And then the minute that I realized the feelings were coming in hot and deep because he gave me a gift that was so thoughtful, I knew like, oh shit, we're really feeling something here. Okay. So did it start out sexual mostly? It started out mostly sexual and mostly okay. just how any, how any, anything starts where it's like, you don't know yet. Like yeah. it's just in the honeymoon phase. So the feelings became obvious when he gave me a first edition witchcraft book, which was like the most thoughtful and me gift someone could ever give me. Okay. He gave it to me in my living room. I used to live in a gorgeous house with three other women. And I was like, okay. And I took him by the hand and we went into my bedroom and I was like, we need to talk. 
I had an eight-year relationship that ended just a year and a half ago. I'm not ready to be tied down, but obviously we're feeling something here. So how do you feel about openness? And he was really shocked. He was like, well, I've never tried it, but it's been on my radar and I would like to try it with you. And he said, I'm not going anywhere. And I had never heard someone say that with such confidence. Like, I'm not going anywhere. Like, you're Mm. safe to say your needs because I'm not going anywhere. You can just tell me and we can just try it. And he was like, I don't know if I'm going to like it, but I'm down to try. Yeah. Okay. So we tried. It didn't go well at first. I fucked someone. So I'm an actor and I was away shooting Mm -hmm. and I fucked the director. (laughs) Mm -hmm. How do you not have sex with somebody on set though? I know. I know. It's It's weak. And you're creating together. Right. Like he's looking down the lens. He's telling me what to do. I'm on camera. I'm on just, it's like basically sex already. And here's the thing. It's like if both parties want it, like obviously consent is important. Right. right. If it's there, why not? I don't get why not if both people want it. Yes. And he was foreign, which, you know, I like, obviously. Mm. I'm, I'm all about these different continents. So that was my Australian one. Check. So I did that. And then when my partner or, you know, my soon to become partner saw the bruises because that guy was into biting and he left Mm. some bite bruises on my butt. Mm -hmm. And so then that was a real tough moment. Yeah. Yeah, Trigger. And so, wow, it's so fascinating. So then what happened was I was really confused because I was like, we obviously really like each other. Our sex is so good, but I know that I don't want to like lose myself in a relationship. And I don't want to say that I'm never going to have sex with someone else again. Like I want there to be some sort of openness. I was so confused. How do I do this? Like, it's never worked yet. How do I pull this off? It's so hard. And I actually ended up consulting a semi-celebrity that I know who is a comedic guy actor that I had been hooking up with and going on dates for a while the summer before. He has had a lot of open relationships. So we actually just did a phone call and he kind of became my mentor because we weren't fucking anymore or anything. And he was so generous. He like mentored me through it and we talked it out. And he was like, why don't you just and it was nice to get that male perspective. Yeah. Yeah. He was like, why don't you talk to him and give him like a three to six month window or whatever feels right? of monogamy while you get to know each other, Mm. knowing that you guys are going to find a way to open it up down the line. But just while you're getting to know each other, like make him feel safe. Yeah, yeah. Build trust. Both ways. Yes. And we did it. I talked (gasps) to him about it. Okay. I actually wrote him a letter so I could like make sure to get all the points across. I read him the letter saying like, I'm sorry it hurt you when you found those bruises. I really like you. I want to try this out. Why don't we create this safe space for a few months? And we fucking did it and it worked. So we did those months of monogamy and then it just naturally opened up into us going to sex parties oh my gosh we also would like try out apps for that where we would try to bring over like a couple or whatever and it was just like regular dating a lot of times it was a no a lot of people we met it was not a vibe because that's a lot of chemistry to have to line up you know yeah absolutely and we would we would have these really tough discussions on like do we want a together experience or do we want to each have our own individual external experiences? We found that we liked doing the together experiences more. Mm. Like I said, then we would start going to sex parties. We started out with just having sex in front of people. Then the next party, we included other people in the sex. We got into piles. We got into like four ways and orgy piles on beds. Tell me specifics of what you like about piles while we're here. Oh my gosh. I love all the hands being all over. Me and him both okay. liked that. Where have you been in the pile? Like, have you been all places? Do you scoot around? Do you ever get stuck? I never got stuck. Okay. I've never I gotten like stuck. I feel like I would get stuck. 
I found that people were really open about consent too, like at these parties. Beautiful. So direct. Like I remember a woman asking both my partner and I, can I put my finger in your butt to him? And we both gave a yes. Not that it's really my decision at all, but I like that she asked both of us. And then like I had a guy standing right in front of me in a hot tub once. My legs are open. He's facing me. My partner is next to me. And this guy's partner is going down on my partner. This is a male-female, male-female swap happening. Yeah. My partner and I are sitting on the outside edge of that hot tub. Those two partners are are facing us. And the male of that couple looked to both of us and said, bleep, my partner's name, uh-huh. may I go down on Rachel now? Mm. Just straight up, just asking permission. And okay. we both said yes. Oh. I've been on the top above a woman in a pile. I've been on the bottom under a man. I mean, it's like every combination. I, I've You're just rolling around. Yeah. You're like, you're asking consent and then you're like sucking on different body parts. Yeah. Like, honestly, like that's how I would describe it. I'd be like sucking on some titties and then sucking on a dick. So at those parties, I haven't had penetration vaginally, I don't think. Okay. But I've had all iterations of oral and hands. Okay. Wait, does that include finger penetration? Yes. Oh, okay. I okay. haven't had penile penetration by external partners at those parties. Okay, okay. So we met, We, me and him also met some partners at those parties that we continued on with. Okay. So we had a third for like, oh, our favorite. She's amazing. And we would like go on dates, go out to dinners. We would have her over. We would have sex all together. Sometimes just me and her with him watching because me and her both are bi or queer. So we wanted just some time with just us. Beautiful. Oh, so, so nice. Honestly, like it is possible. It is possible to have an open relationship. Mm. Yeah. Oh, and then him and I towards the end of the relationship had a great thing going with this other couple and we got to do swinging. We had two dates with them and went over to their place and Man, everyone was feeling everyone. It felt like being at a house party in high school and that sexual energy, but as adults and everybody has a crush on everybody. (sighs) And so we got to all, 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 all hook up and swap. And that was really fun having another, specifically for me, it was fun having another guy that I felt safe with that could penetrate me. Yeah. Like intervaginally penile penetration because it's just fun to have a fresh cock when you're in a relationship. And it's, you (laughs) know. We had had our third for so long that was a woman, and I love pussy, but it's a yeah. whole nother, it's another different thing energy. I love. Every yeah. single person is a completely different feel, like literally and energetically and emotionally and mentally. Like, I don't understand the straight up jealousy. I understand if needs are not being met. I understand time is real, but like people feel different, and that's why I want to fuck everyone. Thank you. Uh, you if, get if, it. If it doesn't seem like it'll harm them, you know, like that's basically what I have to worry about. I just don't want to be limited in those experiences. I love just not limiting myself. Yes, yes. Okay, so here's, we actually haven't gotten specifics of, it sounds like you have a lot of experience with group sex, but we haven't yet heard specific details of how you like going down on partners. Oh, yes. Well, I am a giver. (laughs) Type two Enneagram. (laughs) (laughs) I have no idea what that means. (laughs) Okay, that means if you combine that with being a Scorpio, that means, because two is the giver, it's heart-centered personality type. The giver is really tapped into what everyone else is feeling and wants Mm. to make them feel good. This can be often in the form of manipulation, which I've had to catch myself with, giving to get. I do both. (laughs) I do both generous giving and sometimes I am giving in a manipulative way. Okay. Sounds very human of you. Yes, I am human. (laughs) I think if you're 
experiencing both sides of every coin or at least embracing it, like we learn about an existential kink, you're doing yes. human right. Like yes. not denying or repressing any part. Well, yeah, I get suspicious anytime I'm like, obviously only one side of this coin could exist. Then I'm like, wait, I'm probably missing something. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Highly likely <laughs> you're missing something. Agreed. So I am a giver and oh, man, I get so wet giving. Like mm -hmm. I just get wet if I have a cock in my mouth or if I have a pussy in my mouth. Yeah. I get turned on by turning someone else on and knowing that like I'm providing pleasure. Yeah. So it's definitely in my repertoire. And I think I get a lot of feedback that like, oh my gosh, especially from men, they're like, that's the best blowjob I've ever had, or you're so good at that. I really feel that there's no one technique. It's just because I actually like doing it. It's the design. And they can factor. feel that. Yeah. 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 Because I'll occasionally deep throat, but I really don't like gagging personally. Mm -hmm. No judgment at all on it. But I don't like gagging or choking or like forceful, like hand on head or anything. I just okay. genuinely enjoy sucking on a cock. Like, yeah. Yeah. So usually no one has a problem with it. <laughs> I'm just going up and down. I'm using my hand too. I really like to massage the, I like to have uh, my forefinger and my thumb on the sides of a cock, medically speaking, the lateral sides, the outside, not the top and bottom. And I like to massage and go up and down. And like, I like to also have my mouth going at that same time. It's so mental for me. I always have a story going on in my head, oh. always during sex. There's always a narrative. Whether we're talking or not, there's always a narrative. Usually in my preference, we're talking. Uh -huh. uh, the narratives, say I was with a partner where I'm going down on a cock and there's not any talking going on. I'm probably imagining that you're in a position of power. I'm sucking your cock to get something from you. Like you're a prison guard and I'm breaking out of a prison and I have to suck your cock in order to like flick the security cameras off so I can escape. Like it's always this like adventurous like. It's your inner sex spy. She's coming out to play. <laughs> yes. Totally. Or it's like, okay, you're daddy and like I have to eat this ice cream before bed because like I want to get tucked in and be a good girl and like. So I want to be really adored. So I'm sucking your cock. It's always mm. like power plays in my head for yeah. sure. And then I would say when I'm eating pussy, the stories are more like focused on her or them, whoever has the pussy. And it's more like, okay, this is an interesting one. I find, I think the storyline in my head more so with that is like, how do I explain this? It's like this functionality storyline of like, we're going to make sure you're, everything's working right and you're feeling good. Oh. Like we're just – essentially you're a pleasure machine. Yeah. Like you're this like alien pleasure machine and we're testing your organs. And yeah, we're you're like, like the human technician. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love that. Well, there's something so nice about having a pussy and going down on a pussy. It feels like riding a bike. I feel like from the first mm. time I ever went down on a woman, it was like, I just know where things are. And like, wow. you know, I can tap more into how this is probably feeling, even though okay. everyone's different. And plus being intuitive and empathic, I'm already feeling everyone's feelings in all the interactions. So sex is no different for me. Like I'm very responsive to like the sound of her body, the movement she's making. Mm. Man, there's something so nice about both pussy and cock because something so gentle about pussy to me that it's just like so, so it's softer. I mean, it's literally softer. It's like a flower. You can just like cuddle up and like be. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. 
yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. When would you say, if you can notice, when are you the most in touch with your body? The first thing I heard right away was when I'm making art. <laughs> when I'm creating, I think is really when I'm most in touch with and out of my body, tapped into something where it's almost like the body doesn't exist. But I mean that in a way of it dissolves and I'm in the ether and therefore I'm more experiencing this full experience. So I feel also more in my body. Do you know what I'm saying? I do. And I'm so curious if sex falls into the category of art for you. Yeah. Because yeah, to me, it's the it ultimate does. creative act. And I'm like, they're not, they're so related. How can't you see? Okay. <laughs> no, totally. I think it's, I think it goes back to that vocal for me, which the voice mm. and the sex are connected. When I'm in my ideal sexual encounter where we're, there's a lot of dirty talk and vocal communication happening yeah. and this physical sacral bumping yeah. <laughs> happening in whatever way then I feel very in my body. And specifically when I come, I feel very in my body. I make such interesting noises. Oh. Oh, yeah. I like often scream or it's very deep. Like, do you want me to try to make one like a natural noise? If you feel comfortable, I would love to hear because I'm so curious. Okay. I'll back up a little bit from the mic and I'll try to imitate like what I sound like when I come to the house. Okay. That's what it sounds like. Amazing. Also, thank you for doing that. Yeah, yeah, because I think people need to know it's so much better when you don't try. I learned that from the book Pussy. Like, we have these primal noises. Your voice and your sex chakra are so linked for, for like non-woo-woo listeners. Yeah. This is also scientific. If you look at the vocal cords from a bird's eye view and the cervix from a bird's eye view, pretty much looks like the same thing. Yeah. If you are woo-woo, then you might know that the tones assigned, the sound assigned to those two chakras are the only two that harmonize. It is ancient wisdom that these <laughs> two are connected. <laughs> so Love. like your sex, if you can uninhibit your literal vocal sounds, your sex is going to go to the next level. It's so linked. Would you agree? Yeah, I feel like I stumbled into that anecdotally. I had no specific notion of this ancestral wisdom, but I definitely feel like that mirrors my experience. And someone that I was talking to, I think it was Rose from last year, was talking about how sound is a way into orgasm. And on days, except for when I had COVID, on days where I'm like too tired or can't quite get there, I remember that. And then I start making noises and then bing. It's like, for me, it's like equivalent to my master being like, you can't come now. Like it gets me right there. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, totally. Oh my God. There's so much to get into because I've gotten into BDSM with another recent dick on demand. And like really actually getting into it in the personal life, not just at the parties. Oh, really? Okay. How is that for you, especially with a D on D, a DOD, a D, a dig on demand? Well, it, <laughs> it was good while it lasted. Okay. It didn't last very long, but the sessions we had were so great. We used blindfolds, paddles. We both have that X that mm, I know you, you've talked about this cross. on the show before. Yes. You yes, have an ex? You have one? Oh, yeah. It was a hand-me-down from one of my sisters. <laughs> Who's not even as, like, I'm definitely the most sexually, like, loud person in the family. But So she knew she could give it to me when she, Amazing. she wasn't using it. Yeah. Oh, my God. And then also this dick-on-demand guy had it. And paddles. 
vlogs. Spanking I've already loved. I feel like that's like the gateway into BDSM, just like a hand spanking. Yeah. Where do you like to get spanked? Oh, like on the ass. But okay, if you were laying face down and tilting up, it'd be that area where your thighs meet your ass and there's okay. that little crease there. Yeah. You're not really hitting my pussy, but you're getting close. Close to it. And then also <gasps> I really like the cheeks and upwards yeah. smack on the cheeks. Oh, like I am getting turned on right now. <laughs> also, I did audition as well as the strip club. I also auditioned to work at a BDSM palace, like a above ground, like a legal oh. BDSM palace in LA. Okay. What was that like? Oh my God. The audition itself was so hot. I mean, it was like, it was all women. It felt very safe. You know, this place is like on the books. You can Google it. And it was formal. It was like, it was like a job interview. It was like, first we sat down with the, with the female manager and talked about like work schedules and availability and like how the ship runs there, what, what the shifts are like, where you start. You start as a submissive. You work your way up to a, a switch. switch. Yeah. And then up to Dom. And then a current worker, a female Dom, came in and tested us and we we had to strip down to just a thong which we were told all this yeah, in yeah, advance yeah. strip down to just a g-string and nothing else and go through a series of pain tolerance tests so we did like nipple clamps of like increasing intensity which that one got me i i was a baby on that like mm. i could only do the clothespin okay. i couldn't go beyond that and then we did spanking and increasing intensity and also increasing to like vlogs and paddles and such. And I remember they really liked how red I got because I got I get red so easily. Me too. <laughs> so good for being submissive. People <laughs> like that. And then we put our clothes back on and talked a little bit more about like, okay, you know, this will be how the follow-up looks. If you're chosen, you have to come up with like your pictures and your name and your bio for the site. And I was selected. I was like offered the job. But ultimately... I felt like it wasn't, I felt like it, I didn't want to start as the sub, honestly. Yeah. That's what I yeah. felt like. I wanted yeah. to be more the dom if I was going to be doing it there. And so I just didn't do it. Okay. Wow. Also, that's like a preview for sex at work, which I feel like you should be on yes. in the future. Oh like, my this gosh, is totally. Totally would love to. Okay. So what about your sex life and preferences haven't we covered? Let's do them in rapid fire if they're things that we haven't, like just pleasures, turn-ons, standout memories, interesting locations, partners mm. who influenced yeah. you formatively. I love phone sex because I love putting in Bluetooth headphones, having my eyes closed and touching myself while talking because back mm. to my love language, back yeah. to like voice and sex being connected. Because I ended up having a little bit of a long distance relationship for a while this year. So that's when I learned, oh my gosh, I love phone sex, mm. which could be, you know, ooh, in the future, could be a lot more of that. Yeah, I found that like, Closing my eyes and having that person's voice in my head intensified everything. And like, I just got so wet and so turned on. Another thing I love to rapid fire tell listeners is if you have a body with a cycle, you probably have different degrees of wetness throughout your cycle. And I think it's so important to talk about that because <laughs> you're going to be wettest during your ovulation window, which is in the masculine half of your cycle. You're going to be more dry, even if you're very turned on yep. in the premenstrual and menstrual phase. Just want everyone to be aware of that. And I want that to be normalized. Fuck yeah. That's another thing. I talk about my cycle to any sexual partner. I say where I'm at 
I love all the phases. I have a course on this called Psycho Magic where you can learn all about your phases. I embrace each phase and I love communicating it. And I love period sex. I love having sex on my bleed. When I'm with like a more uh, intimate partner who who I'm comfortable with this, we make it into like a ceremony. <gasps> we lay down towels and pillows. I like spread open. Sometimes I spread the blood around a little bit, like get it on my thighs. Oh, wow. Very primal. And to me, it's actually my libido is highest in that phase because besides ovulation, besides peak ovulation, yeah. because I think my body is like, even though I'm an antinatalist and I never want children, my body says, oh, well, it didn't work this time. Get <laughs> fucked. Get all the cum you can because we got to make it happen. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm so into breeding. I'm so into fertility yeah. talk. I'm so into hot cum, even though I don't want kids. Totally. It's just yeah. primal. No, I, I can relate to that. I'm definitely not at a place in my life life where I am trying to conceive a child. Like, I do not want to be a single person raising it. That sounds very hard. But breeding talk really, really, really is a turn on. Okay, what else about your sex life do we need to know for it to feel like a complete picture? Well, picture hits the nail on the head because I make sensual art. Mm. And that's the last thing I think we need to hear about. So I had a whole journey on OnlyFans. You can still find my profile, Good Ass Goddess. I make sensual art, erotic self-care. So like I'll film myself taking a sensual bath, put it to like trippy music and effects. I do a lot of video montage editing. I do all kinds of avant-garde nudes. Like I make painting with my body. I Mm. also get body painting done on me. Like this whole world of trying to capture erotic sexual energy and share it with viewers. I recorded the audio of myself masturbating. So you can actually hear those orgasmic noises as they naturally occur. Yeah. You can buy that on my website. You can also... So this is the part where the membership on her website actually got fully taken down because Stripe hates fortune tellers. But she's able to sell the library of content that she's already created. So you can go check that out. And she's working on a new deck that includes a bunch of photos that I took of her. So if you are into stuff and want to get to know her more and see her very beautiful, hot, sexy work, go visit sexinthesynchronicity.com. Buy a meditation, a guided meditation to orgasm where I'm painting this picture for you of this female goddess going through a fucking ceremony with gods and goddesses Mm. while you're watching on the banks of this river and you're like POV. Yeah. Yeah. So I experiment with all kinds of sensual art. It is when I feel most alive. I feel like it combines my passions and it's just ever changing. I like recently put out a pussy magic ritual you can follow. I mean, it's just like, It's so exploratory. You're never going to get the same piece twice. It's fascinating. It's a, I have this members only section so we can have discussion in there. If you join, you get behind the paywall and you can talk about all this stuff. Yeah. And that's all in sexandthesynchronicity.com, my, my website, because no more paying the pimp fee, which is what I consider the OnlyFans 20% they were taking. 20% is a lot. If you listeners out there don't know, OnlyFans does take 20%. So, And they take it from the artist's tips, their yeah. memberships, their private messages, across the board 20%. I was like, not going to do this, not going to do Instagram because they keep shadow banning me. I'm going to yeah. build my own site. Okay. It's a safe space. It's queer, erotic, thought-provoking art. And I fucking love it. Like, I'm so happy doing it. I'm so happy sharing it. Beautiful. 
I'd like to know what your hopes for your sexual self are going forward. Thank you so much for asking this, Wyo. It's so good to clarify what we want. I'm in a place of feeling sovereign as fuck, and I'd really like to stay here for a while. I feel like a queen on my throne, and I'd like to continue feeling like I don't need anyone, but it's okay to want whomever I want Mm. and have fun. Fuck yeah. If you could go back in time and give younger you a piece or two of sexual advice, what age or ages would you pick and what would you say? love this question. I know exactly where I'm going. I'm going into the shower where little Rach is masturbating with that spank bank of Titanic. And I'd say, keep going, girl. You got this. Keep feeling good. You have nothing to be ashamed of. Fuck yeah. Do you have a sex question for me? Oh, well, I kind of want the update on like, what's the juiciest thing with this new energy you found, this new lover? So it's someone that I had a crush on and was not available and then became available and then hit me up. And so in one way, it's like dreams coming true. Ah, hot person. I like a crush. I person, a person I like, you know, because I have such strong desire for so many people. But the overlapping sliver where it's actually a good idea for all parties involved and I can feel the mutual desire and I don't feel like I have to police them or like they're projecting, you know, podcast Y.O. upon me. Um, you know, and they can yes. see that I'm an entire person. Like, like that's a very, 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 very small, small overlap. And I get disqualified for the publicness a lot. So to find a person who's like, I don't care. And yeah, I want to fuck you. That's been like really, really delightful. And it's all been great, yummy, sensual things. It's not a kinky relationship. And it's oh. totally putting me in touch with all of my avoidant, anxious <gasps> tendencies. And so it's like hilarious because like, the physical experience is literally fucking wonderful and my emotional like after the fact language is like full of like fear and wanting to disqualify them and or me and just like uh, and then like lots of self-judgment because I'm like how am I this bad two and a half years into talking more than two and a half almost three years into talking to people I should know better I should do better but that's also why I'm really really excited to start the next phase of my personal explorations explorations where I'm sort of looking at the did you know there's a downloadable sex education for K through 12? So I'm going to like download that, thematize it, adultify it, and then combine it with the porn categories that I've been like wanting to explore and stuff that I've been wanting to explore personally. So that's going to be my creative sex ed explorations that is I'm figuring out where it's going to live. This now lives at wildly.com slash lovers. And I am actually super excited about it. Obsessed. Yeah. So that's so that's going to be sort of my thing. But it's really driving home to me how being a kinky submissive really allows me to just like fully relax and surrender. And it also helps me realize that like part of that is like, I don't want to make another fucking decision because I'm holding so much. But what I'm realizing for myself, because I do want to have sex with lots of people, I want to be able to go to a sex party and have fun and like not be so anxious in my head and, you know, return to the explorations of my early 20s or mid 20s even. And so I want to like at least have a framework. And this is why I'm so excited to explore more of my dom side, like in in work terms and just like uh, structural terms, because in the sort of like when I'm having sex with a partner where it's like, 
equality. I'm a feminist. I would never want to hit you. I'm sort of like, okay, what do I push off? No. So am I in charge? No. You didn't ask me to top you. What am I doing? Oh, ah, uh, there are, I know because I've talked to literally hundreds of people. I know there are easy, simple ways to do this, but I am scared and blank right now and I'm frozen. Does this person want to be fucking me? And that's my internal anxiety monologue. So, and I'm able to like look at that and be like, oh, she's so scared. How funny. What's she doing? Right. You know? Right. Oh my God. So here's a fun little sex story. The second time we hung out, we went to dinner just like as a foreplay thing. Like I was very horny. Neither of us had touched ourselves all day. Went to dinner, you know, and also at dinner, we're just friends. Like we're not like romantic. So then there's this like funny, but then like touching me under the table and like touching my leg and touching inside my shorts. And like, it was the first time he'd seen me in clothes and then like having his hands be inside of it. And then we went to go buy condoms together. And I have never purchased condoms with a partner before. And like at CVS, you have to ask the security guard or you have to push a button to ask the security guard to come over and unlock the thing. And I think he was uncomfortable, but I was having so much fun and I felt shiny. But then I was like worried that he was uncomfortable. And then the lady at the cash register was like, do you need a bag? And I was like, no, I'll just put it in my pocket. But like based on his face and reaction, she gave us a bag anyway. <laughs> And then I was like, oh, no, did I shame it? Well, but anyway, I was getting so wet as we were just like standing there in line. And he was just like putting his fingers like not in my vagina, but just like up my shorts, like just feeling my thigh. And it was just like uh, and the new, you know, so so when I calm my brain down, I'm like, oh, my God. And then we took a bath together and then we fucked. And it was just like really nice and yummy and just like very, very good touches. Ah, well, do you feel like I, I love hearing about it? Thank you. <laughs> I've also been touched under the table by my open relationship partner and then yeah. by one of those stick on demands. And I loved oh, yeah. it both times. Yeah. Loved it. I love, I think of dates as foreplay anyways. Like yes. I'm like, take me out and show me off. And you can't, you, you have to and wait make this me whole wait. time. Yeah. Let's like, yes. let's, yeah, exactly. The tension build. But I was going to ask, do you feel like not being kinky is like a kink for you? <gasps> oh, I hadn't thought of it that way. Because it's actually like unfamiliar or? It's like unfamiliar, but there is a part of me. So the pattern that I play out most in my relational life, which I'm doing here right now, is like, oh, I like this person. They're so hot. They're great. What a great person. They are not romantically attracted to me for whatever reason. I won't ask this question. They've made it clear to me that I'm disqualified from their like dating pool. So I will fuck them and I will talk to them about hot girls that they're texting. And that is what we talked about at dinner. And so for me, I think it actually is another way of playing out what I'm identifying after reading Existential Kink as my devaluation kink. Yes. And so like yes. maybe, but I think also there is a part of me that you know, it's it's nuanced. It's not one thing or the other. It's all the things. It's that. But it's also my desire to like see, well, I don't think I'm only kinky. I think I'm very sensual. I, my body loves to be touched. And I love to have sex with other people who love to have sex. Like that's my sexuality. And this is a person who really loves to have sex. And I'm realizing that I get totally freaked out when I'm with a friend who's told me lots and lots of details about what they love about fucking other people and then when we have sex it's much quieter and then I panic and it's just like self-created panic because they are having a good time and when I tell them that out loud they offer reassurance without me asking yes. for it and so I was talking to also 
just to go therapy. I was with my family this weekend and talking to my parents about some of my early like sensory stuff because uh, basically I went to a wedding where I was specifically instructed to not wear my birthday suit. They were like, wear whatever you want, but not your birthday suit. So I dressed in tan clothing. So we were talking about me and clothes with my parents. And apparently I never told them any of the specific discomforts that I had growing up. Like they didn't know it was a texture, you know, so it's, so I'm like, okay, so this is my little journey, my little human journey to practice speaking the actual need or preference. And so I think this plays into it. And, you know, there's a part of me too that just hopes to stumble into wonderful and to practice these skills. And, right, you know, right. I don't feel successful, but I know that I'm spiraling upwards slowly. If yes, <laughs> yes. You're doing great, Wyo. <gasps> oh, it's all practice. You. It's all practice. All like, we can do is practice. <laughs> yeah, it's all an experience. I love that. And I so relate. Like, it's been a journey to be comfortable talking about my needs. Like we hit on at the beginning. It's something you're practicing and getting better at. And may we all continue to do so. And thank you for helping us practice here today. Thank you so much, Rachel, for being on the show. And just one more time, say your website. Sexandthesynchronicity.com. You guys know that sex and art are my favorite things. Sex, creativity. I think you're all fucking sexual artists. So go do it. (gasps) Thank you, Rachel. Thank you.